If you have experienced any type of grief this year and you find yourself trying to hold on to that positive mindset, but it keeps slipping away from you, then this episode is for you. Welcome back, everyone, to the Empower Podcast. I am so glad you are joining me today. It is hard to believe for those of my friends that are here in the U.S. that tomorrow is Thanksgiving. I have no idea how we're this far in the year, but tomorrow is all about being thankful. And if you know me, you know that I talk about gratitude all the time. So it's not just one day, but this year it might have been difficult for you to find the gratitude in each day. You might have been experiencing some grief that knocked you on your butt this year, and that's okay. We're here to get through it together. And that's why I am so excited to have this conversation about grief. And I know you're probably sitting there thinking, why is she really excited about having this conversation? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Because the bottom line is, we are all experiencing grief. As you all know, I lost my husband earlier this year. On May 13th, he passed away from cancer, and it was pretty abrupt. It was six months from the time we found out to the time he passed away. I have learned to find the gratitude in my grief journey. It hasn't been easy. It There are days I, I have a difficult time, but I would say most days I am able to find the gratitude, but I couldn't do it without support. And that is why I am so excited to have my guests on the interview. And yes, you heard me. It's plural. I am doing a first. I'm having two guests on the show today, and I couldn't be more excited to have them on because it's through their support and through the support of the organization of where I met them at Camp Widow, where I really felt supported in my grief journey. So let me introduce you to my widow friends and guests My first guest is Jenny Salkeld. She is a widow, and she's also the mother of two amazing daughters. She's also a chief financial officer and a real estate business owner. As her husband Keith would say, she is an absolute badass. After her husband Keith passed away in September of 2021, she said she found the true meaning of courage and resiliency. And oh my gosh, she has an amazing perspective and attitude, and that is exactly why she's on the podcast today. My second guest and widow friend is Erin Henty. And Erin has spent 10 years in the financial services industry, helping to prepare people for the unexpected. And then it happened to her. She is a widow, and she's also a certified financial planner, a certified life coach. She also has a podcast, and it's called the Now What Podcast. She's also a public speaker, and she helps women design a life and business they love so they can get unstuck and move forward with confidence on their journey. Sound familiar? Yes, now you know why we have a lot in common. I really can't wait for you to join us in this conversation, because here's what I know. My husband was a therapist. From Thanksgiving to Christmas was his busiest time of year. We are all in some way experiencing grief, whether it's through the holidays, maybe a parent has passed, maybe you're grieving the loss of a relationship with a friend or a family member, but maybe you're grieving outside of the holidays. Maybe you've recently lost your job. Maybe you've lost a pet, your fur baby. Maybe you've broken up and you're not in a relationship anymore. Or maybe you just have disappointments about where you are in life and you're grieving the expectations that you had for yourself. Regardless of what it is, it doesn't have to be as big as the death of a loved one. With grief, there is no comparison. Your fur baby dying is just as important as my husband passing away. And so as you go through the grief journey, and it's not the same for any of us, I just invite you to tap into gratitude. And if you want to know how to do that, really dive in and listen to this conversation with Jenny and Aaron, because the three of us as widows, I thought had a great time in this interview. 
we love talking about our spouses. So I wish you all the best on this Thanksgiving and know that I'm grateful that you come here week after week and you essentially sit around the virtual table with me and have a conversation. I value your listenership. I appreciate you. And I am just so thankful that I have the opportunity to share conversations and insights so that you can take action in your life. And I hope after listening to this podcast, you go tell someone in your life how grateful you are for them. And if someone is at your dinner table for Thanksgiving and you notice that they are carrying on your dad's legacy that has passed or your husband or maybe it's your child that has passed away, just notice that and acknowledge that hey, you know what? Your laugh really reminds me of Uncle Dave. There's nothing more than loved ones acknowledging someone's legacy to fill up a room with gratitude. And I just invite you to think about how you can find more gratitude every day in your life. Again, happy Thanksgiving. And let's dive into my conversation with Jenny and Aaron. Aaron, Jenny, I am so glad that we are all able to sit here for this conversation, especially right before Thanksgiving. I'm so grateful for you both, and I'm just glad we're here together. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you, Natalie. Absolutely. So just a little bit of background about our history. We're all three widows, and we met at Camp Widow, which I signed up for six weeks after my husband passed. And I actually attended eight weeks after he passed. I decided at the last minute, someone had told me about this. And I was not sure what to expect. And I I was not sure if I was going to walk into a room of 15 crying women. I wasn't sure how many people were going to be there. But I ended up meeting the most amazing, mostly women. I actually met a couple men there too. But I would say the majority of the people were women. But I got the opportunity to meet both of you there. So I'm curious to know, how did you guys sign up and what was your experience with Camp Widow? So this was in July. It was my first Camp Widow and it was seven years after my husband passed away. I had been on Soaring Spirits website for years and got newly widowed packets because I wanted to get the information. Um, And I knew that I eventually wanted to get connected with the organization, but throughout the seven years, I had gotten plugged into some more local resources and local groups and things like that. And so this was a really huge step for me. I'm like, I felt like I was going international, going to Camp Widow. I was like, I'm going to meet everybody. So it was kind of like this, uh, it was a, a fresh perspective for me. And one of the things that most people don't realize about me is I'm I'm more introverted than extroverted. So I call myself an introverted extrovert. I know what I need to put myself out there. And so what I did was sign up for a volunteer shift while I was there because I was like, hey, people got to come and talk to me at some point. I'll be wearing the volunteer badge, right? <laughs> well, little did I know that whenever I showed up to volunteer that morning, Jenny would be there. <laughs> and I was just impressed by both of you ladies coming so early on in your journey and being surrounded by like 500 other widowed men and women. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Erin. And what about you, Jenny? How did you hear about Camp Widow and how, how did you decide to sign up? So for me, it was, I was at a point, I was 10 months out after my husband had passed and I was just looking for support. I was starting to come out of that widow's fog and just the some pretty dark places at that time, just kind of coming in and processing everything that had happened. And I came through it just from a, a search. I came across Soaring Spirits and looked into that Camp Widow. And then I connected with a um, another widow in Temecula that mentioned that to me. And I live in Temecula, just north of San Diego. So I thought, well, let me give this a try. Kind of like what you mentioned earlier, Natalie. I didn't know what to expect. I thought, is this going to be a lot of women kind of all similar stages. But when I got there, I almost felt welcomed. I mean, I connected right away with Aaron. We were both volunteering um, right when we started the first day. And I I started to realize how connections are so important to the healing process. Mm -hmm. I I was connecting with other individuals that were on a similar journey. And I, I just felt it's what I needed at that time. And, um, that's just, it came about 
really just by luck, I kind of, like I said, it was a search on the internet connected and I just signed up and I just did it. I just went for it. Yeah. So uh, I love that you talk about the connections and also just about Camp Widow because so many people were asking me, what do you do at Camp Widow? What are you guys all in the desert crying together? Like (laughs) what, what actually do you do? So I just want to level set a little bit and let people know we were at a really nice hotel in San Diego. Um, We weren't actually at a camp and um, you know, I'm curious to kind of hear your perspectives in terms of what we did, but I agree with you, Jenny, in terms of the, the connection and the camaraderie and the laughter. I, I was not expecting any of that. I, I, was kind of prepared mentally to leave because I didn't know what to expect. But just the support, just walking into this room of, I think there were four to 500 people there, walking into this grand ballroom where you know that everyone has this shared experience. And I think what was, that was really powerful for me to know that everyone was going through, maybe at a different time, but everyone had that experience. Whereas in my daily life, I have, and I'm sure you guys can relate to this too, I have super supportive friends. I have super supportive family, but no one in my sphere has has lost anyone. Um, No one's lost a spouse. And, you know, people don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. And for me, I just found this instant connection of people who understood my journey and people who had walked ahead of me in that journey who I felt like I could get support from and who could guide me when I had no clue at eight weeks what was going on. So I'm curious to hear, you know, your experiences as well. Jenny, I'll start with you. You're spot on. It was that relatability of someone that you, as they grouped us, especially for us, we were in that newly widowed, newly widowed group. Mm-hmm. And, um, hearing those stories and that you weren't alone. I, I think for me at that point in time was, oh my gosh, there's others on this journey that are experiencing the same things, the same, um, you know, ups and downs, trying to understand the grieving process. Um, and having, in my case with, with my girls also managing that as a, as a widow with children type of thing. And it was just that the stories were, you had some commonality with folks. Absolutely. And what about for you, Erin? I just went there very open to whatever the experience was going to bring. And what I found is I formed really deep connections really fast and felt like, yeah, there was all these people on a very similar journey. And it was, I loved being divided out into our respective um well first just our the time frame like it, widows that had been from like 5 years to 10 years or whatever that grouping was to be able to see like hey you know people come when they're 5 10 20 years out we're we are all connected by the common bond of the loss of our spouse and I apologize I have a dog barking in the background. You're fine. It's yeah, we're all life. connected by the common bond of our, our having lost our spouse. And then the other thing that they really did is then that one day that they grouped us by our type of loss. And I was just like surrounded by all these people that had lost their loved one very suddenly. And it was really raw and fresh. But for you know people who are a little further along to be there to be able to support those other individuals... Um, who had experienced a very similar loss. It, it felt like I was in the right place every single time. And I really appreciated just being able to have that experience. And and I believe that like the reason why I was able to form those deep connections so fast is because we all come like from a similar, you know, we've all lost a loved one. And that was you know, just a, a welcoming place for me to be really vulnerable with people. Yeah. And Erin, I'm so glad you talked about, you know, just the the depth of the connections. I think it was something that was really clear, really quickly for me. Honestly, when I went down to the registration desk, you know, I w- it was so raw for me. And I went down and I 
got my name tag and it hit me and I got very emotional when I had to choose my name tag that was, you know, zero to three months. And um, when she, you know, the the gal behind the desk said, you know, oh, you know, oh, you're, oh, she's like, oh, you're newly widowed. And just hearing, you know, I'm newly widowed from someone saying that out loud. And I just said, yes. And honestly, I don't want to be here. Like, I wish I didn't have to come to this conference. Like, this is the one club I don't want to be a part of. And she's like, honey, can I give you a hug? And I said, of course. And she just held me. And, you know, I looked at hers and I think she was two years out or three years out. And I knew that she understood exactly how I was feeling. And it was so comforting to know that she had walked in my path. And, you know, I think in the in the rest of the convention, I, I think it was kind of this unique, and I, I don't want to say weird, because it was just this unique thing where I would walk up to you, Erin, and I'd be like, oh, hi, Erin, you're from Minnesota. Oh, and how did you, you know, I can see how long it's been since your spouse or partner passed, but oh, how did your person pass? And instantly, we're bonding on the this most horrific moment, and we're talking about how our spouses passed. And sometimes friends wouldn't even get to that conversation. You know, they would be hesitant to ask. And here we are, like the first thing we're talking about is how our person passed. And part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast is because I found so much gratitude and in my journey of grief, I have found so much gratitude and support and connection in, you know, sharing that experience with other widows. And it's been so gratifying. And so I wanted to have both of you on. And speaking of connection, I know one of the things that has helped me is when people ask me about my husband and they don't know, and they ask me about how and why I'm a widow and what happened. And so I would love for each of you to share your stories about, you know, how you became a widow and would love to hear about your husbands and, um, you know, would just love for you to share that with my listeners. So, um, Aaron, I'll start with you. Thank you. And we're going to ask you the same thing, just so you know. <laughs> um, yeah, my late husband, Andy, let's see, we were together for 17 years. We met when I was 17. We started dating when I was 18. By 19, we had a kid. By 20, we were married. I did everything backwards. But he was just like the person that I knew. We knew immediately when we met each other that we were supposed to be in each other's lives for a really long time. And I know at 17, you know, my parents are rolling their eyes and like, this is not the person for you. But he really was like, he was my foundation. He was the person who was constantly supporting me and lifting me up and encouraging me as I was growing up in life. It's through some of the most critical times. And um, he passed when, in seven years ago, July 2015, uh, he was a welder by trade and he went to work that morning. We said goodbye. And yeah, he uh, didn't come home that day. He project he was working on went wrong and he died suddenly in a work accident. And my kids were five, 15 and eight at the time. And that I just remember sitting there thinking like, what am I going to do right now? And how am I going to tell my kids and who is going to tell them? And you know, do I have to be the one to do this? And before I knew it, my you know, my sister was showing up next to me and kind of helping me. And she's like, well, first thing we're going to do is get in the car and go home. <laughs> um, but it was, it was really tough. And I think throughout this journey, what I continue, what we as a family continue to carry forward, I know we're not getting there yet, but has been his spirit. He was such a fun loving, really, he had a childlike personality. Many times I called him my fourth child um, because he was just so much fun. And I felt like the curmudgeon old wife, like that was, you know, always picking at him all the time, but wanted to like keep everybody safe and not jumping off, you know, 15 foot ledges and things like that. And he was like, go for it. So when he died, I actually like, you know, my friends would be like, Austin, he was five. Like, he's about to go jump off that. And I'm like, yeah, I'll just turn my head and look the other way. He's going to be fine. 
And he was, he's been fine ever since. But um, I know that like when that spirit comes out or my kids have similar mannerisms and they'll do some things like my husband used to do, they love it when I like, they really, really enjoy me pointing that out because the younger two are really young and they didn't remember some of those things. And the fact that they're able to still carry a piece of him with them without even realizing it is just a beautiful gift that I get to keep on giving them. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Erin, for sharing your story. And I, I, I know both of you have kids and, and my kids were older and I, that's one of the things that came through loud and clear for me at the widow camp is, you know, I don't know how people did it with really young kids or, or when it was really sudden, you know, I, I had an idea that what was happening because my husband had cancer, but I, I love how his spirit continues to live on in your children. And, and we're, we're definitely going to get there. So Jenny, I would love to not love, but I want to, it is a story about love, but it's one of those situations. I, I do want to hear, and I'm sorry it happened, but would love to hear about your husband. So I have to say, Aaron, I think your late husband and mine would have been great buddies because a lot of what you shared was kind of, I, I want to echo all your points. That that was my my late husband, Keith. He, I, I too met him when I was 17. I was a senior in high school and um, we were together for almost 28 years. Uh, I got married. We got married. I was 23 um, and I grew up with him similar, similar to what Aaron mentioned. He was my, my rock. Um, he was, and he was just, um, an amazing person. The girls and I, my two daughters, uh, would always tease him. He was like a motivational speaker because he was always rah, rah, cheerleader kind of type of thing. Very optimistic, such an inspiring person, such positive energy. And so that was very difficult for us after he passed. Cause that, that, um, part of him, um, and that energy was gone. And, and that my journey in, from the grief standpoint started in September, on September 12, 2021. And uh, he had gone to a conference in Dallas um, for, he's a re- he was a real estate agent. And it was in the peak time frame when COVID was really peaking in that area. So he came home um, with COVID. And um, a few days later, he was having some trouble breathing, uh, took him to the hospital and it was on August 29th. And then two weeks later, he was gone. So it, it was just shattering because here was this this energy, this this individual um, that we just adored. Everything he his his funniness is being silly type of thing too, and um, it was just shattering and, and painful. And um, we were, I was numb for months. Uh, it took me a while to to come out of that, um, but then really started to focus on like what Aaron said to his spirit and, and the things that he loved to do that that's what helped me move forward is how can I continue to honor and remember him? And my girls have a lot of his mannerisms too, because there's a lot over the last year, the strength that they've provided me and, and just the things they say. And I just, I look at them or I say to them, Oh my gosh, you sound like your dad. Mm. Um, so all that's been instilled in them as well. And, um, it, it's, it's been quite a journey, but I just think of him always saying, because this is what something he always said is get yourself back up. Whenever you get knocked down, get yourself back up. And, and that's what keeps me going. I can hear him say that, get up, keep going, keep going and keep living. Yeah. Yeah. And Jenny, how old are your kids? My daughters are now 18 and 20. Oh, ladies. Well, I appreciate you sharing your stories because I I think it, I know for me, it's helpful to talk about it. And I appreciate when people ask and, um, and it's interesting. And we'll talk about that in a little bit around how people are afraid to ask a lot of times and, and they don't ask. And then it kind of creates this awkwardness or this, right? So we're going to talk about all the things that people say or don't say or should say and shouldn't say. So we'll talk about that in a moment. But you know, really the purpose of this podcast is um, the reality is, you know, my, my husband was a therapist and he, this was always his busiest time of the year going into the holidays. So Thanksgiving through Christmas, I just knew he was going to be working crazy hours. 
And for those of you that are, you know, avid listeners, you know, I did an entire episode about how he passed and his whole story and his legacy. Um, But I lost my husband in May, John, I lost my husband, John, in May, May 13th of this year. So it's been just a little bit over six months. And he had cancer and was diagnosed and was actually doing much better. And then just kind of had one day just wasn't feeling well. We went to the hospital and seven days later, I came home without him. So he was in horrific pain for those seven days. And it was really difficult. But in hindsight, it was a really amazing experience. When he passed, I felt like he was always so strong. He was the strongest person I knew, both mentally and physically. And I felt like when he took his last breath, he passed his strength to me and my girls. And it was so powerful. And we still talk about it. And I feel like that has carried on with me. I think people, even myself, I think I expected to be still pretty comatose. I mean, I think I, I was expecting to be laying in bed with the with the covers over my head for a couple of years because John was absolutely my soulmate. He was my everything. We had kind of one of those notebook r- romances where, you know, everyone thought we were just so amazing. And, and I lived this... I mean, I I was with my soulmate and I felt that every day and he made me feel that every day. And I had friends, you know, he was older. And so I had friends say to me, you know, I rue the day when God forbid something happens to him because I don't know what's going to happen to you. You guys have this amazing connection. And I worry about that when that happens someday. And and I've said, trust me, I, I worry about it all the time. But it wasn't something I focused in on, but it was something I was worried about. So I thought I was going to be just decimated when he passed. And I think I've surprised myself and I've surprised others in terms of, I think, getting up every day and living a full life every day and being grateful for that day is part of me honoring and living his legacy, just like you guys both talked about. And living his spirit through um, and carrying that forward. But, you know, the reality is, and the reason why I'm doing the podcast is because so many people are grieving. You know, there's so many layoffs right now. People are losing jobs. People are grieving the loss of a job. As I said, you know, the Thanksgiving through Christmas holiday time is one of the busiest times that my husband had as a therapist because people are grieving the loss of what they were hoping for in their family relationships. You know, maybe their relationship with their mom or their dad or their sibling or, or their spouse isn't what they were hoping for. People are grieving the loss of a pet, um, their fur babies. You know, there's so many things that people are grieving, and I, I, I'm hoping that people through their grief process can find gratitude by this conversation and by finding out, you know, how when you are in a deep grief process no matter what you're grieving, how do you find the gratitude in that? And Erin, I know you've talked about that on your podcast and other podcasts. So I'm curious to get your perspective of how do you find the gratitude when you're going through the grieving process? Ooh, that's a really great question. I may have different values than certain people, but in order for me to get out of bed in the morning, I almost had to have like a reason why. And at first it was my children, like they needed to be fed and, you know, washed from time to time and, (laughs) you know, all the things, maybe clean their clothes. And I'm like, that gives me a purpose in the day. But, you know, there were certain days that was just a real struggle to get up. And I was listening. I can't remember what it, what I was listening to. Now I listen to so many personal development things, but Someone was talking about like the morning routine and incorporating gratitude in it. And I thought, what in the world? I'm going to try it. So like even to this day, it's been, I don't even know, six years probably since I started doing it. But every day I wake up and as soon as I my eyes open or I realize I'm conscious, I'm I'm just grateful for being able to be here um, on this earth and being able to fulfill whatever it is that I'm created to do, even if it's just connect people, even if it's just share my story or help somebody navigate life after loss or just be present for my kids or whatever the case might be, I'm here. And not everybody, you know, 
gets that opportunity every day to be able to just show up and be very present and be here. So I'm really grateful for that. And I think that loss has allowed me to be able to really just let go of all the things that just don't matter. Mm. So much easier. Like I make them matter in the moment because I'm human and we all are and it's what we do. But <laughs> then I, then I like almost I'm, I'm just look at it and I'm like, when it comes down to it and I'm really looking at all the things that are around me, all the beautiful things that are around me, I'm like, yeah, I don't need to, you know, I don't need to be surrounded by people who aren't supportive. I don't need to do things that other people expect me to do. And some days, you know what, I am just sad and that's okay. And I'm grateful for being able to express my emotions, especially to my kids without, feeling any shame or regret or disappointment. Um, and so I just really try to be authentic me. <laughs> and um, I am really grateful for finding that person in all of this because, um, yeah, I it keeps me showing up every single day. Yeah. Yeah, Jen- Jenny, I-, I heard you acknowledging when when Aaron was talking about it really helps you prioritize What's important? What's been your experience? Uh, I think for me, you get to the realization that we're all on borrowed time, right? We, what is what is important for you? What what um, those little things? They really don't matter. What what do you need to focus on? So, kind of really being present for that moment. Um, and I have really focused that the, my gratitude has been about the memories that I shared with my late husband, because he was always one that he instilled in all of us. He always said, let's make memories. Let's go on that trip. Let's go do this, something very spontaneous. And so I've, I've looked to those memories to help me heal along the way, but then it's also helped me be grateful and hopeful of the new memories I can create along the way. Mm -hmm. It makes me look forward. Um, so creating new experiences, being part of, um, doing new things. Um, I, when we talked about connectedness earlier, you know, I'm grateful to, to be part of soaring spirits and and helping in my local community now in Temecula to have a group that we can connect and, and help each other. And that's brought me, um, that sense of gratitude to, to help, help others. Um, and be appreciative of, of what we have. Um, and pausing, like Aaron said, it's those little things each day because we are taking one day at a time, especially early on. And then just being, think, being appreciative of that. Like Aaron said too, you know, my why was my girls. That's what got me up out of bed. That's what allowed me to take one step forward every single day. So it's just really pausing and reflecting on um, what makes you um, grateful and, and happy. And according to you, not everyone else's other expectations. Yeah, that is, I think that is such a powerful point, Jenny, in terms of, you know, for my listeners, what does make you happy? What is important to you? And what is important, not, not what everyone else thinks, not what everyone else defines as success or happiness, but what is it to you? I know, Aaron, we were talking earlier, but you know, you love to travel. So, you know, I know for you, it's like, that's what's important to you is to to move forward and to travel. And I know you just went to Fiji. And, you know, you have this amazing experience. And, you know, maybe, maybe someone else is judgmental of that, right? Of like, why is she traveling? And why is she having so much fun? And I think, I think there's so many judgments that can be put on widowhood, right? We should be doing this, we should be doing this, we should just be, you know, I don't know, in a ball crying somewhere. And so I, I love that you both spoke into different things, quite frankly, you know, there were similar themes, but different things on how you are expressing gratitude and how you're how you are owning that gratitude experience for yourselves. Erin, were you going to share something? Oh, you just, um, you know, I think that we place enough expectations on ourselves and the shoulds. And so you're saying when you were talking about how everyone around us may perceive things in it in a certain way, 
I was doing that to myself. Like, who am I to travel halfway around the world and have this experience? You know, while my kids are back home and my mom has to fly up and take care of them. And, you know, my mom was like, I remember once she decided she was so grateful to give me that gift because she knows what my, what I go through every single day. And the beautiful part is, is when you just like own your experience, you own how you step forward in life. I What I loved most, and Jenny, you have no idea, but she posted one day on her Facebook page, like she made this fun cocktail and she get dedicated it to me <laughs> for my trip to Fiji. And I, I had someone else that tagged me in a post as well. And I was like, wow, these are the exact people I need to be surrounded with because there will be the naysayers. And usually we're our biggest naysayers, but we convince ourselves to do things anyways. But it's those those moments where I saw things like that. And then I show up and there's people there for a similar experience and wanting to like, you know, find really who they are in, in their own personal journeys. And it was, yeah, it was just really amazing to feel so supported. And I, I've hold, held on to that. Because now every step I take, I know that even if my circle gets smaller, it's going to be, you know, surrounded with the exact people I need on this journey. Oh, my gosh. Yes, yes, and yes. I Yes to all of it. It's so true. I think surrounding, you know, no matter what grief people are going through as you're listening to this podcast – Surrounding yourself with people that are aligned with what's important to you, aligned with your values, um, that can share in the same type of gratitude experience that you can have and that can can walk with you on that journey on the days that you're not feeling the gratitude, on the days that that suck, quite frankly, <laughs> because we all have those too, you know, and sometimes sometimes I call my best friend and I just cry and I just say, you know what? Today's a really hard day. I'm really missing him. Um, you know, for me, my connection and my gratitude is I, I tend to be this hyperachiever. I'm always getting stuff done. And I mean, I can check a whole lot of things off a good list. And, you know, I would be in the house and I'd be washing dishes or I'd be working late. And my husband would be like, come here, come, come, come outside. I'm like, what is it? I don't have time. What is it? You know, what do you want? He'd be like, just look at the sunset or look at the moon. And he was always slowing me down in the most positive, beautiful, mm -hmm. loving way to make sure that I was enjoying. And I love nature. And he was always reconnecting me to nature. And so literally every night I go out and I look at the sunset. Every night I look at the moon. That's really my connection to him is I... I mean, talk about how clueless I was. I didn't realize there were nights where the moon didn't come out. Like, so when he first passed and I was looking at, at the moon every night and then all of a sudden I, it was gone for a few nights. I was like, where's the moon? I didn't realize that the moon goes in phases. And, and I was laughing, but it was like, oh my God, I'm so much more in touch with nature. And I walk the dog now and I look at flowers differently and I look at birds differently. And, you know, his memory and my gratitude is just him grounding me and making me slow down and be so grateful for all of life, not just my my human life, but you know the life of animals and pets and and flowers and trees and the changing of the leaves and I'm noticing so many more things in my life that I was probably just rushing by before he passed. So that has been amazing. And I, I want to kind of flip the script a little bit because part of the purpose of having three widows on a podcast is, there are a lot of great things that people say to us. And and I know you all have felt support and felt connection and felt, you know, gratitude for the people in your life. And I, if you're anything like me, I know that there have been people who have been supportive. There's also been really good friends of mine who didn't know what to say when my husband passed, didn't know what to say when he even got sick, um, really kind of went MIA on me because they didn't know how. They didn't know what to do. And I think it brings up a lot of people's own fears about their own death and the the <laughs> eventuality of that. So I would love to know from each of you, you know, we'll start with the negative. Like what wasn't supportive or what did things, what did people say to you 
that or do that wasn't supportive. I have a few examples of my own. Um, and then we'll talk about what was supportive. Um, because I think people genuinely want to know. People have told me, like, I don't know how to handle grief. And I really want to know. I want to know how to be a better friend. But I really didn't know how to help you through this. Um, so what wasn't supportive for both of you? Jenny, I'll start with you. Well, I just had this happen recently because it hit the one year mark. And it was when someone said, well, it's been a year now. So it's time to move on. <laughs> and I, I think I was just stunned because obviously they don't know, but it, there's no timeline. There's no, and I think from a society standpoint, I think there's this expectation that, okay, it's been a year. It, it's behind you. And it, you know, I was with my husband for 28 years. We, we built a life together. We supported each other, those memories we made. And you can't unwind someone's existence in a year. I mean, that, that person will always be with you. So I, I think that has resonated, especially because, like I said, it's mo- so recent. Um, and then they tie it with, well, you're young. You, you'll, you'll find somebody. Oh, yeah. And, and you think, but where did that come from? How did, how did, where did this come from? I'm not asking for that. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just some of these things are just shocking. Um, and I know that people mean well. They, like you said earlier, they want to help, but sometimes they just don't realize how the delivery of those statements and how we receive it. Yeah, I love what someone said at Camp Widow to that point, because that was said to me about five days after my husband passed of, you know, well, you're young, you'll find someone, you'll find someone else. Someone at Camp Widow had mentioned that and they said, what, you know, like, what do you think my husband's just a library book? Like, I just go check out another one and, you know, just keep that one for a few years and then check out another like that. It doesn't work that way. Like you're saying, you guys were together for a long time. It's not he's not replaceable. Aaron, what were you gonna say? I want to. I was gonna just jump in and add my sarcasm and say, <laughs> I want to find that library. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It is crazy. What about for you, Aaron? What What did people do or say that was not helpful for you? Well, a couple of things came to mind, and I think you alluded to it: is not saying anything, like not wanting to bring it up, makes it much bigger than what it is. And I actually experienced that very recently. And it was after the loss of my dad, I realized it again, it was happening. Um, There was somebody very close to me in my life and it was my father's birthday and they didn't say anything. And they knew They knew it was the day. They knew it might be hard for me because I just lost him a couple months sooner. And I remember going through this with Andy as well. And it was the nothingness that elicited so much grief inside me that the day after I finally just unleashed the grief and it came out a little sideways. But on the other side of that, there was understanding. And um, this person gave me a really big hug and said they're sorry. Um, and they thought that not saying anything was the best thing because they didn't have anything nice to say. And I was like, wow, okay. That was that was a that was a lot for me. Um, and it actually created, it compounded my grief by not having said anything. And then the other thing that I was thinking about is with people who have great intentions. But it's really not helpful, especially when you have no idea the next step or what you need because you're stuck in the fog of grief. When people say, like, let me know if you need anything. Oh, my gosh. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let me know if you need anything. And I'm like, I don't even know what I need. I'm like, how about you just, like, take a look around? But I really appreciated the people, though, in my life that stepped up and just did things without me even asking. Um, and, and those little things, um, even just sending a card or coming by and cleaning the bathroom or doing my laundry or whatever, like in the early days that meant everything. But then there comes this point where the tide of people like dissipate and now you're like thrust into the reality of you have to do it all on your own. And so if I could share one thing, it would be, you know, 
just know that like grief doesn't end in a certain time period and there's ongoing needs that individuals have. And, you know, when I lost my sister and niece, um, her community really was very intentional and came to me and said, you know, how can we best support them? What do they need? And I said, well, what is it that you feel led to do for them? And I said, because they don't just need you right now in the first 30, 60, 90 days. I mean, they're going to need you for years to come, whether it's a ride, it's a phone call, it's taking them for coffee. And I really appreciated them asking that question because even I was over at my brother-in-law's house last weekend and one of my sister's very close friends looked over at my niece and said, hey, you want me to come grab you for coffee in the morning? And that just like filled me with so much joy Mm -hmm. to see that community of friends still supporting them. And it's been over two and a half years since my sister passed. And um, yeah, so those things were the two big ones for me that stood out. Yeah. Yeah. And Erin, I did know about your sister and your niece. And um, I'm so sorry. You have been through so much. I mean, losing your husband and your sister, your niece, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot for one person to go through and your dad. <laughs> Thank you. I, I felt like by the time I got to my dad, that was like the natural order, like, you know, and so it was really different, but also I had had its own like process with it. And so I just, you know, no matter, I want people, and you mentioned this at the beginning to know that all loss is valid. You may be thinking like, oh, well, you know, I just lost my job. But to you, that's the biggest thing in your life right now. And that's very important because you may have depended on it for security or like that sense of significance or that purpose in life. And so like, I just want everyone to know that there's no comparison on the type of losses. Like your journey through each one is very unique and different. And um, there's no room for comparisons. (laughs) Mm, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Aaron. Thank you. Because it's so true. I had a friend early on after my pa- after John had passed that did have a loss in her life. And um, she's like, well, I know it's not compared, you know, to anything that you're going through. I'm like, there's no there is no comparison. It's what you're going through right now. Um, I So I agree with both of you in terms of what wasn't supportive. I think I think the hardest thing for me, especially initially was, you know, how can, you know, just reach out and tell me what I can do. How can I help you? I'm like, I, I can't even tie my shoelaces right now. I, I mean, honestly, I don't know what I need and I completely agree with just people stepping in and doing things. That was the most amazing thing ever. I had a, a recent friend I had made probably in, I don't know, it was four or five months prior to John passing we had we had gone to coffee like twice and she was a newer friend i didn't even tell her that john had passed i didn't even text her because we you know we weren't super close at that time she saw me post it on facebook because people were asking me and so i just decided to post a post on facebook to let people know and kind of announce that he had passed she saw it on facebook she texted me immediately and said i am really good at party planning i will come over you don't have to do anything. I will host your entire, you know, reception at the the celebration of life after the funeral. I will just, I will come over the night before I'll go through your kitchen. And that's exactly what she did. She, she did. She brought chairs. She brought tables. She went through my entire kitchen the night before I got, I went to the funeral. She came to the funeral. She left the funeral early so she could go back to the house and set everything up. And I was able to go enjoy the the reception because she had just jumped in and did something. And that was, you know, my best friend. I, I called to tell her that I don't think John's doing very well. She booked a flight. She sent me a text and said, I'm flying in. I'll be there at 10. You don't have to worry. I'm taking an Uber. I'll see you at the, air, you know, at the hospital. Um I'll be there. And she was there for the last three days before he passed. And I just so appreciated people taking action because it was so powerful and it was such a meaningful difference in my, in my grieving process. And just, well, like I said, it just, it's just now been six months. It's five days past six months for me. And I just recently had someone reach out to me and at the six month mark and said, you know, hey, I've been wanting to share, it was one of John's clients, I've been wanting to share some, you know, 
some messages and I've been wanting to share things with you. And I know because I went through this with my family that kind of around the six month mark, people stop reaching out and stop calling. So I saved this message for this time because I wanted to acknowledge that this time in space and I wanted to share some memories about John. And I was so grateful for that because he was exactly right. Like the cards have stopped and the meals stopped and, you know, people have been super supportive, but it's definitely died down and things are back to whatever normal life is because there's no, there's a new normal, but it's not normal. I was so appreciative of the thoughtfulness of someone checking in at the six month mark. And I remember I, I had so much going on in the beginning of the grieving process And I had purposely told another really good friend of mine, my best friend from fourth grade, she's like, you know, hey, can I come out in a couple weeks after all these people were just at the house and had flown in and all the stuff? And I said, you know, can you come out in like four months, three or four months? And when she came out, she said, you know, I was a little hurt that you had asked for that. And I said, I just knew that there was going to be this empty space of time where, where after everyone had gone home and I, I knew I was going to need you now. And she's like, that makes perfect sense. I didn't understand that. I thought you were kind of pushing me away. And I was like, no, I was kind of anticipating that I was going to need you at that time. So I, I, I think kind of that continuing support is so powerful and so meaningful. I know, I, I, I know that both of you guys feel the same way. What were some of the things that, that, I mean, we've talked about some of them, but, you know, was there anything else that was really helpful for you guys or or really stood out for either one of you that people, people did or? Well, I'd like to say I've got two amazing friends. Um, Their names are, are Brenda and Melissa. And exactly to your point, after that five month, six month and so forth, things kind of do dwindle, right? In terms of that engagement with individuals and my friends they were calling me, they would text me. I mean, they have busy lives as well. They would come get me, get me out of the house because they knew you get me out, go do things together. Mm -hmm. And, but they, they constantly were engaging. And where I saw others that I thought were going to be there were not. And they've continued that involvement because yes, you hit that six month mark. Then you, before you know it, it's that 12 month mark. And I think that's important as your listeners are, are, are following this, that if they know someone who's grieving, be in contact with them because we need to have that interaction. Um, it's ongoing. And I, I think that it's just so important to have someone there for you because everyone says, what do you need? I'll be there for you. And then they're not. And you're, you're kind of let down. Yeah. And um, I have to say that's been a key support for me have been these my two amazing friends along the way, because if I didn't have them to lift me, that would have been even more difficult. Yeah. Um, so I think be there for someone um, who's going through this. And it's not just during that first week, second week. It's be there for a period of time. Check in. Yeah, I completely agree. And going back to what we talked about and kind of at the beginning of this part of the conversation around you know, asking and, and saying their name and asking about their story and asking about, you know, I, I have some friends that, that didn't know John. And the thing I appreciate is, you know, when they would say, you know, tell me about him. And I, I think so many people think, you know, at the six month mark or the year mark or the six year mark, like, oh, well, if I bring him up, she, it's going to make her sad. But what people don't understand is like, that is the highlight. Like, Give me an opportunity to share how amazing he was, how amazing our love story was. Do you guys feel the same way? Yes. Yes. We want to talk about him. We want to celebrate and we want to continue to to celebrate and talk about all those great things that made them who they were. Yeah, I guess I never really gave people an opportunity to ask me because I always talk about Andy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I always talk about so, John too. <laughs> like my my circle of friends that I met after Andy died, they were like, 
I wish I knew Andy. He sounds like so much fun. I was like, yeah, he was way more fun than me. You would love hanging out with him. <laughs> but we joke about that. It just makes me laugh and smile. And my kids and I, we talk about him. And it's, it's hardest for my oldest daughter to actually talk about him. She's like, I just, I don't, I can't, I can't do that. And I was like, well, you know, in this house, we are going to talk about him. And if you're not comfortable with it, that's okay. You don't have to participate in the discussion, but it is important to us um, especially the younger two kids to just keep, again, like I said earlier, that spirit alive. Yeah, I completely agree. So going into the holidays, um, I know Jenny, you were, you were fresh off of, um, off of losing Keith after when the holidays came last year. And then Aaron, I know it's been a few years for you. So I'm curious to know, because these are my first holidays. And for those of you that might be listening that do have loved ones who have who have passed this year. Um, what holiday traditions have you set up in this new normal as you've moved forward? I don't like to say, and this is a, a nuance, I know we've spoken about it at Camp Widow around, we don't move on, we move forward. You know, so I'm curious to know if you guys have any special holiday traditions to to honor your your husbands and your sister and your niece and your dad. Well, for Keith and I and the girls, fall was our favorite time frame. Um, we loved the season and it, it kicked off so many different things and, and how I've tied it. Cause like you mentioned, Natalie, last year was a complete blur. I, I have almost no recollection from that September to December timeframe. Uh, so this year I've been very thoughtful and how I can continue to honor and remember Keith. And so in October, he, he loved Halloween. So he loved scaring people. He, he loved to just <laughs> get dressed up and do all of that. And we had a tradition to always go, because we're here in Southern California, to go to Not Scary Farm. So everyone, they've got everyone dressed up, that whole Halloween theme. And so my daughter and I, my youngest daughter and I, we went. And so we celebrated. We, we would, talked about, gosh, dad loved this. He, you know, Keith would do that, that kind of thing. So we were doing something to remember him. And then we created our own memories. Mm. And then going into November, uh, his birthday was on the 11th. So his 50th birthday. So I continued with the tradition of getting him a cookie cake. So got the cookie cake. We still celebrated. We still sang happy birthday, did all of that. And then went out with friends. And again, it's continuing with that, make memories, make memories. Yeah. And because everything for us fall, there were so many different things that we had going on. It was his birthday. Then our anniversaries, this upcoming Monday, the 21st. And so I'm going to go to Disneyland with friends. Um, cause we went on our honeymoon to Disney world. So I'm just, I'm, I'm tying different things to create and, and, and make this a very uh, positive, um, fall kind of time frame. And then into December, we, he, he was a Tennessee Titans fan. So the Titans are going to be in town. I'm going to go to the game. I'm going to go celebrate. I'm going to go I have love fun. It. And so, cause that's what he would want. Um, and then obviously with the holidays, Thanksgiving and Christmas, being with my girls, but, um, I'm just, I'm tying it to these things that he would want to be doing during this time frame, and then enjoying it, uh, with family and friends. I love that, Jenny. I love that. And, and what a, what a great way of, you know, keeping that tradition that you guys had and also creating these new memories together. I love that. I'm so happy for you. And, on a side note, um, John and I, we always went to Universal Studios because it's closer to us. And so we went to Universal Studios Halloween Horror Nights. And so I went this year and I told my best friend who lives in New Jersey, I'm like, I'm not going alone. You're going to fly out here and you're going to go with me. So she brought her son. We went on a co- we went on a Southern California college tour and we we ended our whole college tour with a, a night at, at Halloween Horror Nights. And it was so much fun. We had such a great time. And the entire time we were like, I wish John could have been here and see how we were all screaming and peeing our pants and <laughs> having a good old time. Uh, what about you, Erin? What are you doing for the holidays? Let's see. What am I doing or what have I done? Um, or what have your, yeah, what have you done in the past? Yeah. To- so the first year I remember we wanted to go back down to Missouri. Um, that was where I grew up and that's where Andy and I met and lived, um, until I was 32. And then we moved up here to Minnesota. Um, but we wanted to go back and, and when we did, we, 
stayed at my mom and dad's like we would normally spend Christmas at my mom and dad's and everything was exactly the same as though Andy was still like here. And for me and for the kids, there was a very large elephant in the room. And so I knew that we didn't want to experience Christmas in the same way again. So the next year we're like, you know what, we're going to just stay back. And so what we realized is we need, we wanted to create our own. And um, at that time I had talked to my sister and we decided that we wanted to spend the holidays with, with her. And so she would invite us to Thanksgiving and then make us a part of like Christmas day. We go over there all day and hang out and eat and have fun and, and celebrate. And so that's typically what, what we've continued to do every other year. We go down to Missouri and we spend time with my family. And then, um, and then on the opposite years, it's my kids really appreciate just having started, um, a new tradition of just, you know, celebrating with other people and doing whatever we want. We talked about like, do we get out of here and do we catch a plane and go someplace completely different? We didn't really want that. Like we value our quality time with our family and that was really important. But we also want to remember Andy and talk about him and acknowledge that he's not here during the holiday season, but also remember the things that he liked. And so a couple of things that he loved during the Christmas season were like Andy's mints, you know, cause they're like oh. with his name on them. <laughs> um, he always got a pack of Andy's mints every year. And, you know, so that's something that like, I like to put in the stockings for the kids to remember him. Um, and yeah, just continue to talk about him. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And, um, yeah, it doesn't matter where we're at or what we're doing, as long as we can acknowledge that, you know, he's still a part of these experiences with us. And unfortunately, um, Andy's family, we lost his dad seven months before him. And so my mother-in-law had gone through lots of loss. And so they, um, have not really handled the loss of my, my husband very well. And so we don't get to celebrate the holidays. And that has been, that was one of the things that was very difficult for my kids is not being able to be with his family, um, at all. Since my, my husband died, we had some of those secondary losses as well. And so it was very important for us to create our own traditions during the holidays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I, I'm glad you brought it up around secondary losses because there are so many secondary losses that happen when we lose someone close to us. There's, you know, potentially that person was the glue that held family together. And then you lose that and then you lose that connection to the other half of the family. Um, I know, you know, for uh, unfortunately, based on the who was in the room at Camp Widow, most of the widows are women. And, you know, there's secondary losses of, you know, loss of income for women who might not have been the sole breadwinner or even trying to manage a two income household, right? So there's secondary losses with income and security. And I mean, there's so many other losses that widows go through. And I think if you're listening, just checking in with widows around, you know, what I know you've lost your spouse or your partner, but what else are you going through? What else might I support you with? So ladies, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I'm again, sorry, we've all connected on what, you know, how we've connected, but I'm so grateful to have both of you in my lives, um, in my life. And, um, I'm, you know, just would love for you just to close out our conversation by, just sharing any last words of wisdom or anything that you want my listeners to take away about the grieving process that might be helpful to them, um, you know, based on your insights and both of your experiences in this period of grief. Um, Jenny, I'll start with you. I, I think for, for your listeners is, you know, no, I know it's difficult what you're going through, but uh, continue to live the life you planned. Um, even though it, it may be difficult, but just keep doing it, keep going forward and learn to embrace this journey. Um, and along the way, know that it's okay to cry. Mm-hmm. You need to cry. 
but you have those moments, that's all part of the healing process. You need that. And you'll gain that strength little by little and, and be proud of those widow wins. Yes. I like that. Those widow wins. So true. Thanks, Jenny. And what about for you, Erin? I think, you know, this could be probably applicable to all people. Um, A lot of times on this journey, we'll, you know, when our lives are shattered, we may not know what's next. And I love what Jenny said about really remembering what it was that you once desired, what it was that once brought joy, what brought happiness, but also just honor where you're you're at right now, because sometimes even if you don't know where you're going and, you know, we can get stuck on thinking about where we came from. But if we look at right now, it goes back to that gratitude piece and really like really understand kind of what we need to feel and what we need to experience more of in our life. That'll allow us to start see those little steps that we can take forward on our journey. And the only way to get to wherever it is that we're supposed to be is to move through all those emotions and those experiences that have been, you know, laid out for us. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that, Erin. And, you know, my last words of wisdom for anyone is something that my husband used to say as a therapist to all his clients. He used to say it to me when I would get in my head and I'd get anxious and I'd want to move forward faster he would always say, and his so many of his clients have shared this with me, and so I'll share it with all of you. We're recording this on a Friday. Today is only Friday. And, you know, just really owning today and getting through the day and honoring this day, being grateful for the day, and just know that tomorrow will come and you can deal with tomorrow tomorrow, but not putting pressure on yourself to to be anything other than what you are today. So I will leave you with both of that, with those words of wisdom. And thank you, ladies, for this conversation. Um, It's been a pleasure. Thanks for sharing all your wisdom and your experience with my listeners. I am very grateful. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you.